This is episode number 54 with my former college teammate, Zach Johnson. I've interviewed a lot of people um, on 50. This is this will be my 54th episode, and most of the people I've done are currently in baseball somehow, and I th- kind of thought, you know, it'd be kind of cool to, to do a podcast with someone who is now finished with baseball and kind of talk a little bit about their experience uh, while they were playing or coaching. And um, I, I first thought of Zach just because he – He's a good buddy of mine. I lived with him for two years, and he he's finishing law school in three days. So he's really he's done really well after baseball, and we we really wanted to just kind of talk a little bit about you know is the whole college baseball ex, uh, experience worth it? Um, a lot of people some have student loans because of that. Um, you know whether or not you should continue to try to continue to play independent baseball after that. Um, we also get into some talk a lot about the Reds and the Twins, uh, a team that, that Zach really follows uh, pretty closely. Um, so I think you guys will enjoy this episode. It's a little bit of a different format um, just because it's it's not someone who's currently in, in the game of baseball. Um, hopefully Zach will get back into baseball because I think he can help out a lot of kids um, who are up and coming right now. So hope you guys enjoy today's episode, and uh, here it is with Zach Johnson. We are now live with my former college teammate Zach Johnson. It's crazy. It's already been it's been three years since we played together. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's coming up here uh, in May, right? Yeah, so, three years, uh, like, dude. Three I don't years know where May. the time went. Um, what have you been up to since uh, since you're done playing college baseball? Well, it's kind of funny. On Thursday, uh, this Thursday is my last final. Um, in law school, so that's been my three years, and and that's why I think for me especially it's gone super fast i've been busy with that it's been a good experience and but i'm i'm frankly i'm i'm ready to get out of the books and i don't know you know maybe i'll be regretting this but i'm ready to join the real world finally and uh did you know while you were playing uh while you were in college that i guess early on did you want to be like a lawyer or practice law or or go that route yeah i would say i knew back in high school it was definitely wanted i, I wanted it to be an option uh obviously i wanted to play baseball as long as i could that was no doubt a thing and then as soon as um as soon as that became you know the the end of that came I was like all right so this is definitely my next path and uh so it's been something that's been in the back of my head for a long time well there's a lot of people there's a lot of agents I guess specifically who who do get a a, a law degree you know to practice law and there's just a lot of people in general who get who get law degrees who don't necessarily become a lawyer Mm -hmm. so would that be something that would ever interest you like not just becoming a lawyer but maybe something else Absolutely. Uh, I mean, sports have been my life forever, and they still are. Uh, but in the in, you know, in the meantime, it, I really wanted to get my law degree. I you know, I, I'm working at a firm here starting in August. What firm? Um, I'm working at Robbins, Kelly, Patterson, and Tucker. They're downtown Cincinnati. About 25 attorneys. We do a little bit of everything. And I, I wanted to get that private experience. You know, we'll see how long that lasts. It could be the rest of my life. I love it there, and and who knows what happens, but. It's definitely in the back of my head. Sports has, you know, always been my first love with things, and so to get back into that is definitely never going to be fully off the table. Do you regret not continuing to at least like try play, try to play some indie ball? Because, and the reason why I bring this up a little bit is, is I don't know, I don't follow the 
you know, a lot of football or NFL, but, you know, the NFL draft was just on, and it was it was really cool to, to read up on some of the stories right. about guys who were, who were uh, I think, well, hell, the number one pick was a former college walk-on. Right. He's a, no, he Texas a number Tech. one pick. Hey, there we go. So, I mean, <laughs> um, and then, you know, there's, there was another guy, uh, was it Josh Allen, who was, uh, mm-hmm. went to JUCO and then got two offers out of JUCO and went to Wyoming, and now he's a first-round pick, too. So, yep. I mean – um, was there any? Is there any regret uh, to not continuing to at least try to play baseball a few more years? I wouldn't say regret, which is I think a good thing. I mean, if I felt regret, then yeah, you got to live with that forever. That's yeah, tough. that would that would be tough. But I, I I miss it. I miss it. I almost you know I miss it every day, especially you know the, comp- the competition side of things. I mean, in law school we played intramural basketball, and that was kind of the closest thing you could get. And and, and still, by no means was it the same as competing on a baseball field. And I, I mean, I wish I was still playing, no doubt, but I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't regret it. I don't. And, and, and I think that's a, I think that's a good, a good tell for me. I think, I think for me, it might've been just like, I think my arm had had enough a little bit. Uh, yeah, you had a couple surgeries. Didn't yeah. You? Yeah. I, I had quite a little uh, college baseball story. Uh, I don't know if you want me to get into yeah, that. Let's now. Get it. Let's, let's hear. I want to hear your, you started so, out Texas Tech. Yeah. You walked on, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was a preferred walk-on in Texas Tech, and uh, so that was kind of like a recruited walk-on spot. And I spent there. I spent three semesters there. Um, I left going into my second year. I registered my first year. I got mono really, really bad. Lost like fifteen pounds uh, in thanks in, around Thanksgiving time my freshman year. So had to hit the brakes a little bit, especially when I was a hundred. When f- losing fifteen pounds, man, I was back down to one seventy-five. So <laughs> let's just say I wasn't quite the. Uh, I wasn't quite the filled out uh, college athlete yet. Um, so then I, I ended up transferring to JUCO in, uh, in Texas. We play in, in the league with Howard College. They're probably the most known um, JUCO in that league. I mean, San, San Jack is down there. They weren't in our conference, but uh, another some phenomenal baseball in junior college, by the way. It was, yeah. That was a unique experience. I saw some things that, I, frankly, I saw some things I never saw even on the D1 level. Like there were some players that I don't think they ever made it because of you know some issue there and there here and there but there was some ridiculous stuff down there and uh it was it was a good experience though I threw a lot I started every game down there that I could um so it got me that first real college experience and you know transferring to to Xavier that following um that following year uh I'm glad you know I, I felt a lot more prepared going into that than I did going into Texas Tech it just it, you know, I felt like a call, I was ready for college at, you know, athletics at that point, which is one thing that's pretty hard to prepare for, I think, until you really experience it. Some no. guys get it right away, and some others don't. Do you think uh, D1, uh, is, D1 baseball, is that overrated in your opinion? Because everyone, everyone – I work with high school kids now, and everyone is obsessed with going Division One. Well, I think – I don't know. I don't know if it's overrated, but I definitely think people need to be – open you play to both. the fact you play that Juco and D1. yeah I think people need to be open to the fact that there is absolutely tremendous baseball in a lot of areas uh you know if and the, and the thing is you know one of my one of my former teammates uh he was a former teammate of mine growing up through club travel baseball uh he went to junior college for two years and he was it's Casey Fletcher who's the son of Darren Fletcher who played it was an MLB all-star catcher uh for the Blue Jays for a while um so he went to junior college in Illinois, spent two years there, got bigger, stronger. All of a sudden, he transfers to Illinois. He's like a two-time – I think he was all-conference all one of his final two years and ripped the ball. And so my point is 
the whole point that I'm making is, you know, just because you don't make it to D1 immediately doesn't mean that, you know, there's by no means is your career over because plenty of guys make it from all different avenues. It's it's the great thing about baseball. Um, you know, you've seen you hear the stories of the guys going out of any ball. You, you know, you, that never even played that played D, Division three baseball. It's you know, it's it's one of the great things about baseball dude uh, when i was in when i was at xavier if you brought up indie ball i thought that was like a, a glorified men's league and that could not be further further from the truth and right. i mean I, I don't even know like how familiar are even you with indie ball um the only so my besides former teammates like you uh and others one of my one of my really good friends he lives in dallas texas sam sam martin he's actually likely to actually come up and play for the freedom uh later this year i don't know if i can say i don't i think that's that'll be out there uh but anyway so sam sam is a really good friend of mine we talk all the time he's had tommy john surgery he's had a scope he's he's really grinded it out and he was a guy who started his career at new mexico um he played with uh dj stewart who's a big name uh, he played with mitch garver who's up with the twins right now um, so he got to see some really good guys there, but he also transferred to the same junior college I did. And then he ended his career at Texas Wesleyan, which is division three school in, in Texas. And he wasn't, he's not done either. And he's grinded through a Tommy John, a scope. And here he is finally hitting the end of that rehab. And he wants, you know, he's all about giving it one more go. So he pitched in the Picos, Pecos, 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 Pecos League, League for the Laredo's team. Is that right? Pecos? Are they in that? Or Laredo? Yeah. That's American Association. Okay, that's American Association. That's... So he pitched in that one. Okay. And so I got to hear all the stories of him. And 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 it sounds like minor league baseball to me in a lot of ways. It is minor league baseball. I mean, the the team or the league he was in, the American Association, that is, that's one of the top indie ball leagues. And for those who don't know, indie ball, it's it's a different animal uh, than affiliated baseball because I don't whatever anyone says I don't care it's about winning because the managers are hired and fired based on winning, and so versus affiliated baseball which is about development right. you know, you're trying to get the guys to to the to the next level. Uh, indie ball is not like that. I I have seen some crazy crazy stories of guys who have gotten ten at bats, gone three for ten with a bomb. And got released because they the manager found somebody else that that he liked better, right. and it's it's brutal. I mean, I I played in the Pecos League last year. That's okay. And um, dude, it, the Pecos League gets a really bad reputation because um, the living situation is bad. It, I'm not not as I shouldn't say that. the living situation is bad. The everything that goes around the league is bad. I mean, you have like you travel in like vans. Like we had four or five guys sleeping in the clubhouse. We had like a, a, um, a mice problem in the clubhouse, so they had like m- like mice wow. traps all over where they slept wow. on the ground and mattresses. Yeah. Um, you get paid fifty seven dollars a week, so I was given lessons before games. Um, it was it was incredible. I mean, I remember the first day I you I don't even know if I told you this or not. The first day that I pulled up to my host family, um, it was uh, I I pull up <laughs> pull up in the driveway. And my host mom uh, license plate said Foxy by Roxy, and it was a pure romance car. And so, I mean, oh, like, so I mean, what like, did I sign up for? Right, right. it was the little stories like that which made it uh, made it a lot of fun. But 
Um, if you produce, I mean, like you said before, you know, got indie ball stories. You can get a shot at the next level, uh, the Frontier League, which you know we're in Kentucky right now doing this. Right. Uh, but Florence Freedom, like they produce some big leaguers. Um, you go to get, you get an opportunity with a team like that. You know their manager Dennis Pelfrey, who we just had on uh, two weeks ago. Um, he's he's willing to give guys shot a shot who played in the Pecos League because. Like, you know, living out in, in that area, you know, New Mexico, the, the ball flight, you know, balls can fly, oh, you know, that. a little bit too I much. So, that. I mean, um, statistics can be, you know, a little bit, you know, you're not really sure what to believe in terms of, you know, some of the, the statistics guys put out, you know, home run power, um, things like that. But it's just the living conditions. If you can put up with the living conditions and produce at a high level, um, guys like Dennis Pelfrey will give you a shot. Now, Guys get frustrated because they go out there and produce and don't get a shot right yeah. away, um, which I understand. But you, there's no like I, I don't know. You, you, it's a grind, dude. Like it's a grind, and um, you know you get up to like the Atlantic League where I'd say half more than half those guys are, are former big leaguers playing right. there. It's it's amazing to me. Uh, you know, I think it's good tell tell of all the sports here that so many people are willing to to go through these experiences. I mean, whether it's affiliated ball or any ball in the Picos, the Pecos league. I mean, it's just, it's amazing to me that a sport can produce that much, uh, desire to just continue on and, 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 you know, just in the hope that you could be one of the guys on the 25 man roster across the league. And, and it's, it's pretty wild that, you know, it, that there's that many people that are willing to grind through it. And it's cool. It's cool. It's cool to be a part of that sport with that. I think I think making it to the major leagues is probably the hardest out of all the sports in the sense that look at all the competition you have versus like you know the NFL you get drafted in the NFL like you're going to you're going to the NFL right I mean mm -hmm. like I don't think there's another like minor league system I guess the NBA has the the D league or whatever they have but baseball I mean think you got you got rookie ball you got low A you got high A you got uh, double A triple A um, indie ball all four main indie ball right. leagues you got Korean baseball which right. they there's they pay guys uh, a couple guys they've offered million dollar contracts over there right japan which has been well documented right uh mexico has a really high league which they pay guys you know five to ten grand now good luck some sometimes getting paid on time it's a little, it's a little sketchy down there but now you got some european leagues too and some guys producing so i mean it's all over the world um where they're competing and to get to the major leagues i mean look at um a guy with the angels right now um, I mean, he was well, he was Japan, right, mm -hmm. last year. Mm -hmm. Now he's now he's in the big league. I mean, that you don't even that guy's not on your radar, <laughs> right? He, he's as a pitcher, like you're not even thinking you have to compete against a guy like that. But it's just crazy how, and that's why I kind of want to ask you if you regret it at all because uh, I didn't realize how high the mountain was I had to climb until after college. Right. And looking back, I really never had a shot, but. I'm glad I I'm glad I did it just because you have that. You gotta itch. know, you yeah, and it helps. It helps to know. Um, it, yeah, I think I think had I, I think had I not been a hundred percent set on going to law school, if baseball weren't to work out out of college, I think it might have been something that been pursued. But I think I'm just trying to maybe read, you know, connect the dots a little bit for myself and and just look at the fact that I think because I've you know I'm completing law school here Thursday my last final and it, it kind of you know that, that's it feels like accomplishment in itself so it makes me go okay at least at least since I wasn't doing it I was doing you know I was getting something done in that in that regard and I think that I think that kind of helps was it <laughs> was the decision financial by any means because that's the case for a lot of guys um 
<laughs> we've talked about it a lot these last two days about that, haven't we? Uh, um, for me, I don't think necessarily it was. Obviously, I think once you get into it, it might be a decision why people stop. No doubt. I, you know, when you're, you know, when you're hitting those, you know, upper twenties, mid twenties, you kind of go, well, you know, <laughs> do I want to keep living how I'm living and trying to find a way to, you know, pay for my next Chipotle bowl or, you know, where, where to sleep, like those type of things, you know, that's that, or if you have, you know, if you're getting married and you want to have start a family, like those are pretty hard things. And you, like you said, you told me some stories of some guys that are still doing that and having to find ways to support a family. And that's amazing. That's amazing. So, um, you know, long-winded answer to that. I, I, I think it would have definitely crossed my mind had I kept going that like, that could have definitely been a factor as to, you know, call, you know, hanging it up at some point. Um, but you know, law, law school, law school, I'll have my fair share of debt too. <laughs> oh, so, okay. So yeah. that's my next question. So I want to kind of get, kind of started getting into this conversation of like college baseball. Is it worth it long-term? In your opinion, hundred percent, hundred percent. You mean? Yeah. I mean, because like, let's break it down from like a you know financial standpoint, and that's kind of why I brought up you know is D one being overrated because guys are obsessed with going to a big time school and they they uh, like a Vanderbilt or something like right. that, for example, or I don't even know, right. like just throwing a, a school out with a huge tu- with a you know really high tuition, and then they go into debt and they're paying that off the next twenty five years. Right. Um, what's your take on all that? College baseball, I mean, I think that experience and just college athletics in general, I, I would say, is just, I think it's, you know, priceless. Um, it's going to set you up for how to, you know, how to how to live life and how to handle life because, you know, it sounds simple and it's the, you know, it's the cliche answer of, oh, man, you have to wake up, your alarm's going off at 530, you have to get to weights. And, and, but that's reality. When you're 18 and you're having to do that every day, it becomes a grind, and, and but before you know it, when you're doing it your senior year, it's like not, you know, it, it, it's still, st- it still sucks the same. Everyone know, you know, you're getting five, when you get five hours of sleep, it's, it's never, it's never different. It's never like, Oh, it's better now that I'm you know, a senior, but you at least at that point know, like, all right, it came easy by then, you know, you knew exactly what to expect. So I think you can, you, those things can be applied to so many things in life. Uh, just knowing that, to get things a lot of times you have to work really hard and, and you know if you want to maximize your potential you have to work really hard at it and i think that applies in the real world if you if you're working at a job and you want to be successful in it you got to work hard you got to put the time in and if you don't put the time in you're not going to reach your potential and so there's there's numerous uh life lessons that can be learned from college baseball and i think they're a lot of priceless and and then of course you can get into you know the moments with your teammates like how much fun were bus trips believe it or not like right. some of those bus trips that were 12 hours it, you know whether we were playing mafia or cards or whatever they were fun don't get me wrong there were moments where you're like all right it's 4 a.m i'm about to lose my mind everyone lost their mind on the bus but yeah absolutely i would i'd recommend it to anyone even even if you know even if it is you know going to be a 25 year impact because I, I, th- I still think it's a priceless thing to me and also it's just it's a, a you you go into college immediately with a um, group of friends kind of built in 100%. in a sense. I yeah. mean, I guess if you're on a team with a bunch of like douchebags or jerks, like, I mean, <laughs> luckily that's never been the case for me. I feel lucky, really, really lucky. And I can't imagine that being the case like really anywhere, especially these days, but baseball players are all the same. Yeah. That's, I mean, honestly, and it's just that, that provides a, a huge, just, 
um, and I know this word's in huge these days anyway, but it's true, like an inclusive type of environment where yeah, it does. Um, yeah. You know, you 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 go into college now, and you're not you don't feel as alone. You feel like you're you're built into a system where um, some you have like a like a big brother. We have like we have that program. I know at Xavier right. and. And, um, you know, before you know it, then you get the routine down. But you have just – it's built in friends. It's built in, you know, a structure, which is huge. I mean, I don't don't know how, like, regular college kids do it. I remember being hurt a few times. I know you were hurt too. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, like, I'm so bored. Right. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I can't imagine, like, just – just waking up and just going to class and just studying all day. Like That's where kids get into trouble, I feel like. (laughs) I mean, would you you agree with that? I definitely think, I mean, you know, <laughs> there, there, your time is, your time is precious. Uh, that's for sure. So if you want, you know, if you want to get into other things, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta stay on top of things. So I think it's good with school with, um, you know, a lot of things that you do, you know, if you, if you want to go do something on a Friday night and you don't have, you know, you're off Saturday or Sunday and you have an exam Monday, you got to get that stuff done or, or you're just going to do bad on it, which is, you know, in the case for some, you know, it happens. We've all had teammates in situations where, you know, ourselves where we definitely weren't prepared for something because we lost track of time. But those are the type of experiences that become valuable. Uh, you learn like, oh, wow, well, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't use my time wisely here. Oh, I'm taking this exam right now. This isn't going to go well. Or it's like, hey, I don't know, yeah, look, I got to do what I wanted to do, but I, I balanced my time enough. And, you know, not only did I get good practice in this week, I got to, you know, hang out with my teammates and I got to be ready for this exam on Monday that I was this time. So it's, it's like those type of things right there. And then, I'll, but the other thing is, which makes it really tough as well is, is, is playing time, right? Because right. playing time, I mean, that's, that's huge. Yep. It's huge. And I coach at a, at a school right now, Madeira High School, you know, which is a, local in Cincinnati area it's a smaller school and it's different than like what we were used to like especially in college where like playing time was just like like you would do anything to like play you know what I mean if like and if someone if a coach like threatened you with like you're not gonna play if you don't get x y and z done like you're gonna get x y and z right. done right um kids these days or at least kid the kids that I, I deal with the playing time factor isn't isn't as uh a big of a deal and i I'm just kind of curious. Did you ever think about becoming a coach and and, and uh, kind of implementing kind of what you learned um, to like the next generation? And I, I guess I'm starting to do that a little bit, but I'm kind of curious if you're if you're uh, in that mix as well. It's funny. I've had that I've had that question a few times over the last a uh, couple weeks. Um, I had a conversation at a Reds game a couple weekends with a friend friend of mine's dad about that, and he just said he's like, you know, you'd be doing a disservice if you didn't end up. You know, like he didn't mean this negatively. He's just he was he really liked a lot of the things I said, especially you know about pitching and all that. And he was like, "You'd be doing a disservice if you didn't go coach one day." And I was just like, "Yeah, I, I, I think to answer your question, I think I think it's in my mind. I don't know what yet. I don't know where and what and when. Um, my gut tells me I want to work almost specifically with a like a group of guys, not necessarily maybe a whole team, and that might be in a team." atmosphere but I think I'd I'd be leaning towards more like a specialized like working with the pitchers or working with this or that just just because I like to get I like to get my hands on things and develop programs and set things up for more of a longer term success rather than just a quick like you know bam 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 decision to make you know it better for the next day Um, so I think having my having the chance to 
work with some pitchers one day, depending on what level, uh, would be something I'd like to do. Um, to I'd love to see a kid, you know, at 14 years old start here, and then at 17 he signs his LOI to go play somewhere, and I had a hand in that. That'd be really cool and rewarding to me. Um, so I, I think something like that I could see myself down the road. I, I don't know when, though. I don't know when. That'd be the interesting part. Coaching, coaching high school baseball. If you ever do end up coaching high school baseball, it's it's a treat. I mean, I'm the head JV coach, and you know you don't do it for the money. I mean, I'm getting paid I think two thousand uh, dollars for the entire season before the season, during the you know it's the whole thing. And I think uh, the, some of the stories that I and some of the things that I have seen on a baseball field, I have never seen in my life. I mean, and it's been it's been a lot of fun. Um, but teaching the kids, you know, the, the little stuff like showing up with your belt, showing up with the right pants, right, though, and, yeah. and not, and then, um, and then like having to discipline them. And I remember, I don't have Coach Goog, so we played for is now, at, you know, uh-huh. UC. He would always tell us how it was. It's really tough to. He would hate discipline us. He would hate, you know, have making us run or getting mad at us or. And it's and so true. Good, though. He did it, he would, but he, he hated would do it. Hated he would, it. And like you yeah. would always be like, you know, I don't think you really hate it. But like once you become a coach and you develop those like relationships, you, you, know, you really you care. You it. realize like you do hate it because like it's someone you you care about. And um, and I think that one of the toughest things, and this is like this this is going to catch you by surprise. One of the hardest things that I have um, that I've had to do. Well, I guess two things. One is make the lineup every day. Right, because you know some kids don't get to play, even though it is JV baseball. But the second thing is the after game, after the game speeches. What after, to say to them? Huh? After the game speeches, I mean, I'll get <laughs> out there sometimes and I'll be like, "All right, well, uh, good game today." Um, you know that play in the first inning. You know, Jacob, that that can't happen. You know, this and that, and then you get a man, you get a blank face, and like all these people are staring at you. So like, you got to come up with something, and they're like. All right, let's get a break. We'll get ready for tomorrow. You know what I mean? It's just like this, like awkward. So I guess the after the game speeches when it's just you, because it's just me coaching right, right now. That's been one of the hardest things um, to do. But I think that I think I think you would be a really good coach just because. And I brought up the whole playing time situation because um, I didn't always start. You didn't always start. No, no, I but I mean, like of, you doing yeah. like like implementing that type of like discipline and like hunger and like kids who have just always like. They don't. They don't get it, and that's what's it's what's different. Because like you know, you've always um, you know wanted to pitch. I've always wanted to play, but not everyone has wanted that. You know what I mean? Does that right. make sense? Like no, 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 no. It is. Um, I mean, at some point, at some point, the kids who don't want it will get weeded out. And I, to your point though, you want to create the guys that want want it though. I mean, that's part of coaching, right? You. You know, you're, you're coaching baseball because you love baseball. These guys are playing baseball. could be for a lot of reasons. Some of it could be, yeah, they love baseball. Some of it could be, I'm talking about a high school level or below. Some of it could be, I just want to hang out with my friends. Yeah. You know, I want something to do. Or, you know, someone told me to sign up. You know, and, and so it can start as that. And, you know, the goal as a coach, I'm, I have to imagine, is to, you know, to instill what you, your, you know, your beliefs on baseball and other people and, some of that is, you know, hoping, hopefully turning some of these guys into loving the game as much as you do. And, and, and in that part, that would be creating that desire to want to be on the field every single second possible or wanting to pitch every single, you know, every single pitch, inning, whatever uh, that, you know, that you're capable of. And so absolutely, like, that's real cool. Uh, 
I wanted to point something out too, back on the Goog story. I was thinking just as a fun moment, uh, how many times did, you know, after a game, say we, you know, it was one of those games we lost, right? And he would, we would get, you know, we'd do, we'd do our runs, right? We'd run if we're on the road and, and we're all like, God, oh, this is ter- terrible. <laughs> um, and, and we're sitting there and we're, and we're about to talk and, you know, Googs will say something about like a play in the second inning. You're kind of like, is that even re-? like, I know we did it wrong, but they had no impact on the game. And so it's kind of funny you saying that because how many times do we go back on the bus and go, why did Googs bring like, I can't believe Googs brought up that thing about this thing that didn't even matter. He d- doesn't even remember in the eighth inning when we, you know, we, you know, we dropped a, you know, we walked three guys or we made an error in the field or we struck out three times. Like, doesn't even remember that. And, and it's, it's funny hear, hearing you say that. And then, yeah. so you weren't at Xavier yet. What I'm going to tell, want to tell this, yeah. this gig story, but I'm, I bet you've heard it before. Yeah, so imagine. one of my, my freshman year, we were in uh, at Charlotte and I was rooming with uh, Mike Moore who, who played with us at Xavier and uh, who's who graduated from uh, Vanderbilt Law School, right? He graduated yeah, yeah. now, yep. right? Yeah, he's done. So yeah, he's he, in his so, first year, right? So we were rooming together, and I guess he knew a couple of players on the um, UNC Charlotte team, and you know we were freshmen. So I guess normally what would happen is that we would all go out to eat as a team together, right? Unless our parents were there, they right? Let the coach know, but I didn't really think anything of it. Mike was just like, "Hey, you know, I got a couple of buddies on UNC Charlotte. We're gonna get something to eat. Uh, if you want to come," I was like, "Yeah, sure." So we ended up going over uh right across the street or not too far away i don't think there was a, a bikini bar i mean it was literally called uh the bikini bar and we walked in there and um you know obviously the coaches and players you know they take the bus they get something to eat that's that's always always the what happens especially the coaches and we walk in the restaurant and, and uh we get seated and we look over and, and Googs is sitting there <laughs> Gooks is sitting at the bikini bar with like a, some of the like former like player or something like that, and the look on his face when he saw me and Mikey <laughs> Moore was—I mean, uh, he was so pissed. And uh, we didn't play the rest of that weekend. Yeah, but it's—it's funny—it's funny stories like that that uh, that are pretty cool, and it goes kind of kind of goes back to traveling on the road. Yeah, um, and doing that sort of thing. Um, let, I want to talk a little bit about uh, let, let's talk about some some big league baseball here. You're a, a huge Twins fan. Yeah, Minnesota. have you always been? Have you always been a huge Twins fan? Uh, I've been a fan of all the Minnesota teams thanks to my dad. Uh, he grew up in actually South Dakota. We lived uh, four years in Minneapolis when I was growing up, so pretty easy when you're you know the the games on the TV are the Vikings, Twins, uh, Timberwolves. Didn't matter, you know, I, whether they were good or bad, because they, they've all had their fair share of some bad years. But it, it you know, so it, it was that we went to games when um, saw Kirby Puckett play, um, Chuck Knobloch before he went to the Yankees. He was always a favorite of mine when I was a little kid. Before he had the yips too. Yeah, before he had the yips, and before, <laughs> before he had his little uh, falling out with the Twins. Um, oh, he had a falling out. Yeah, yeah, I don't quite remember the details, but. Twins fans weren't too happy. I'm sure it was just some comments he made that were probably taken out of context. But it just um, – yeah, so it stems back all, all Minnesota for me, yeah. How do you like their team this year? Because uh, I know we were talking about Byron Buxton. And um, remember you talking about him when we were in college. And, yeah. Because you know, he was the number one prospect in baseball. For a long time. For a, yeah, for mm-hmm. a long time, which you can definitely see why he's a five-tool player. But he hasn't really – I mean, has it been just injuries, just staying healthy for him? Uh. I think, I mean, given his age, last year he had, I mean, his second half was incredible. 
and a lot of in part even with Sano out Miguel Sano missed the whole basically the entire second half and the Twins made that playoff push made the playoffs lost to the Yankees in the wild card game but I mean that was that far exceeded expectations after following up the worst they had an MLB worst record the year before I think they were the first team to go from uh, MLB worst to the playoffs the following year could be wrong on that but I'm almost certain it's it was they are the first and so the expectations this year were you know I, I I, I felt they'd be in the wild card race the whole way, and it's April. Um, it's so cold up there. It's, too. Yeah, it's it's so cold. They they had all those snow outs. They they were eight and five. Had a lot of momentum. We're going. Had a lot of snow outs in there. And before you know it, things are kind of out of whack. They've actually lost uh, ten out of twelve. <laughs> they, they've had quite a bad stretch. But that's with Buxton on the DL. Um, another good guy, Jorge Polanco, had a uh, uh, 80, um, 80, 80 game suspension before the season started. Um, and so some, and Irvin Santana has been on the DL the whole way and he was tremendous last year. Won like, you know, I know he won over 15 games. So there's been some factors that have definitely made it difficult for them, um, to produce at the level I thought they were going to be now it's April and I, I expect them to get back in it. Their division's not very good. So there's a lot of wins to be had. You play those teams, you play, you know, the White Sox, Royals and Tigers, you know, 19 times. So that's a good opportunity to collect some wins so i think if they get back into it it's going to be through those avenues but i, I think getting byron buxton on the field would be a nice one <laughs> is he your favorite player um on the twin oh to watch probably yeah i mean, I mean th- just watching him run is it's pretty crazy to be entertained by someone running because <laughs> i hate running <laughs> um but it, just watching the way he tracks a baseball in the outfield or even even when he steals a bag or legs out a legs out what looks like a single to everyone in the world except for two three players and turn it into a double or the same thing with a double to a triple it's pretty wild um what about brian dozier uh he's he, he, was he, he would you say who's the best player on the twins uh, i mean consistency wise it's got to be dozier i mean you know every year for the last three years you get 260 30 plus home runs like that's that's as consistent as it gets and and um and he plays great defense over at second. He he really does. He can really glove it. So I think from a consistency standpoint, absolutely. Uh, I think Buxton when he's when he's hitting, he's got to be their best player when he's hitting because you always are going to get the stolen bags. You're always going to get the defense. He won a Gold Glove last year. He throws hundred out of the outfield. I mean, he's got it all. So when he's hitting like he did in the second half last year, he's he's got to be their best player. But he's still young and he's very streaky. I mean, he has months where he hits like 200 and then he has a month where he hits 330 and eight home runs. And you're kind of like, well, this is the, the five tool MVP caliber guy that he could be. But I don't know. I don't know if he'll ever get to that point, but I think he'll be that. I think he can easily be that 250 to 265, you know, 15 to 20 home run, 80 RBI guy with 40 bags. Like that's, did you see the, the, the Brian Dozier, um, uh, thing he did not that long ago on MLB Network yeah. where he changed yeah. where he said he talked about his swing. Oh, and, yeah. you know, um, I, I love that. I'm kind of curious on what your thoughts about the whole, you know, launch angle era. And, you know, for those who don't know, he was on MLB Network and he kind of said one of the things he did to change his swing was he would he would take a fungo at yeah, home plate and, at home plate home and runs, literally right? just throw the, throw the ball up and hit it as hard mm-hmm. and as far as he possibly could to try to create that positive attack so, angle. Um, you you buy into all the all the launch angle yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's funny. So this month, so is it? Yeah, April. So April tomorrow's May. Fir- yeah, first. April will be the first month I think in MLB history where there will be more strikeouts than hits, ever. 
So don't get me wrong. People are striking out more. The pitching's great too. I mean, we're seeing higher velocities than ever. So it's also definitely way harder to hit a baseball. So I think some of that has played into the fact that, all right, so if it's harder to string together a bunch of hits, what's the next best thing? It's just hitting the ball out. And that's a one hit and a run or more if guys are on, obviously. But I think I'm on, I'm on board with it. I, I've been joking around with, you know, a couple of my friends. I'm like, Hey, you know, like, uh, one of my, one of my buddies has two kids. One's two years old. And I, I, I said to him the other day, I was like, listen, um, don't be teaching him any of that, you know, line drive, swing down at the ball nonsense to get, get the ball in the air, let it fly. So I, I love it. Uh, you just watch you watch you might get my favorite guys to watch Josh Donaldson talk about hitting I I think he's my like hands down my favorite he's had tremendous stuff on MLB Network it's on his Instagram it's everywhere you just he I, explains I, it really well he too. explains it so well and I love how it's it's really not all it's it's not necessarily like always swinging about up on the ball it's really just changing the angle based on where the pitch is and so like you know sometimes you know the shoulders are going to be here angled here because the pitch is down or sometimes they're going to be if the pitch is that you're your you know your chest and you're trying to hit it and you angle up you're going to hit that ball straight up in the air you have to have a little different swing path based on where that ball is i really like that um it's impo- and i'm not a hitter i was a pitcher guys I, but i mean like as a pitcher know, like, do you see some like some flaws in that where you could exploit that that type of uh, uppercut a little bit of uppercut swing well you've seen that right guys are well, I mean, but, more but, up but, in the zone now you know like Remember everyone it was as pitchers you just to see, you know, pound the pound the pound down and away, down and away, down and in. Like, don't get me wrong, you can still you can still I mean that's still most of pitching, but how many times have you seen the elevated fastball be used a lot more as like an O O pitch or a one O pitch or O one it used to be that, oh, let's let's extend his eyes up, bury him with the slider, like the classic, you know, change in elevation. But you're seeing guys literally throw the ball at the belt all the time. And guys are getting guys are missing it because the, this whole this change in leverage because if it's harder I don't know you can I feel like the way that the swings have changed if the ball's down and you're creating that leverage it's a little easier to get that that bat to it opposed to if it's up at your chest I think a big you problem know, and, is 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 people don't understand that you have to uh, the swing is, is really dictated on on how each person is built right so I, I'm a, a more of a tight mover person I'm more stiff. Um, for me to have movements like like a Josh Donaldson, uh, who's like loose and, and my you're stretchy, not going to be able to do that. That, that would be detrimental <laughs> to my game. You know what I mean? That's and so a good you point. see, you see. I don't know if you, when Josh Donaldson really did that thing a couple years ago on uh, MLB Network. Mm-hmm. I, you see all these kids on on Twitter and Instagram, you know, imitating his exact swing. Well, that that's stupid because you're not. There, some of those kids aren't built right. like him. Right. So I mean, you have to. It has to be built around you know, kind of you and kind of how you're built. Um, but we're we are in Cincinnati, Ohio, so we're very lucky that we do get to watch the best hitter in base, second best hitter in baseball, and Joey Votto. In my opinion, um, I don't know if you've been to any Reds games lately, but there is literally, literally nobody going. No, to the there's games. no one there. I was actually at the one where he hit his first home run, though. The Oppo, Oppo bomb to left. No, um, it's it. Yeah, I know. I you know, there's they're not they're not great right now. Um, do you agree with them firing Brian Price? 15 games in the season for me for me i just don't think it's going to make much of a difference i i i don't know maybe maybe there's something we don't know in the locker room there's always that right you never know maybe maybe he was maybe at that point he had alienated the locker room and they just you know like you were just kind of left with the decision but i highly doubt that was the situation um given 15 games in and just the way he seems out of the 
you know, in, in his interviews or post games, he, he doesn't seem like a guy that would lose the locker room that quickly. Right. <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, like maybe the thought is that something, something like that is just going to give you something different. And it, you know, sometimes as a GM or an owner, you kind of like, you kind of just stuck with a decision to make like that. But I, for me, I, I don't see how it was going to make much of a difference. Who do you like? Do you like Barry Larkin being their next manager? Do you think that would um, be a good fit? Boy, it does, it, it does seem like the trend right now is former players taking over big jobs, whether it's – I mean, look look around. It was, you know, Brian Roberts um, in L.A., um, Alex Cora it, with the Red Sox. So there's some sort of sense of some success coming – because these guys have done well when they've gotten there. So – if this, if the, if the change right now is to go with kind of this, you know, because all those guys kind of played in relatively similar area er, eras, the '90s or early 2000s, so maybe that is kind of a trend that's working. So, if that's the case, maybe Barry Larkin is the guy, and he knows Cincinnati too. I mean, they're all from here. Um, maybe you know, maybe he's got some insight on what it takes to make a, a small market team work. Because um, we we saw it. I mean, we saw a pretty successful era. They didn't get they didn't get as far as they should have, but or could have. But baseball, when it's good in Cincinnati, is fun, and we know Here, that. But here's here's something interesting for you. So all those all the former players who are now managers, I don't think there's been one Hall of Fame player who's been a manager. And the reason why I bring that up is because I wouldn't know that you would you see a lot of former players um, or the guys who always had to grind and always had to do the look at all the video and like all the mechanics and and so they always had to you know really focus on the small details of, of every single part of the game just to just to make it where I mean, the two guys we mentioned are just that alex cora and dave roberts i mean right and then you they, were, they a, weren't a hall of famer barry yeah. larkin who yeah i'm sure he worked really hard but a lot of it came very very natural so i, I guess from an analytical standpoint would he be more of an old school type of manager because you know, he kind of everything came so natural to him. And so, yeah, that instead of sense? all the shift in and everything, yeah, yeah, I that know that definitely does. I mean, that's going to be interesting. I I have heard that. I know he turned off a lot of the um, front office employees when he was vouching for the job. Did you oh, see that? Spring training? No, I didn't know that. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he pretty much went out. And the th- you know, he's got a he's got an ego, which I mean, as a Hall of Famer, you would expect. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens um, with the Reds down the road because they, they got a lot of work to do and they're yeah, so far I, behind from an analytical standpoint and sabermetrics and that just technology like they don't allow driveline in their organization the way interesting. the ball use interesting um, I, didn't know that either. I have play i have friends who are in the reds organization who in spring training they have to get to the field an hour before uh, everyone else has to report mm-hmm. just to do all their weighted ball stuff so they don't get yelled at oh gotcha so i mean it's it's, it's little stuff like that where it's gonna. It's this is gonna be like a five year project. I, I think. I mean, and I know you've you know being in Cincinnati, you've started following the Reds more since oh, no you doubt, moved no here doubt. too. Yeah. Um, I just hope Joey Votto is part of the winning team. You know, before it's too late. Yeah, I mean, he's he's getting up there. He's still what he's got five six years on that contract, but that takes him up what up to 40, 38, 39, 40, something like that. Um, yeah, I thought they. I thought honestly, I thought they were had already bottomed out. Of you know, like a, a rebuild. Typically, you have that year where it's like, all right, this is this is rock bottom. It's it's all up from here. I actually thought they had 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 achieved that just because I achieved it. I don't know if you achieving rock bottom is anything, but I think I thought they had reached that because they had all these they have all these young arms, and I just figured, crap, out of fifteen of these guys, shouldn't you be able to find three 
you know, and then, then you just piece together the other two the rest of the year. So I thought that was already going to be had. But then again, we just, you know, we're reminded of how hard this game is. And, you know, for especially for the youth guy, young, the younger guys that, you know, like you look at what Houston done, it's pretty, it's pretty amazing that, you know, that, that, you know, like their, their youth was so instrumental in the success there. But at the same time, they kind of, they counterbalanced that with a lot of vets, you know, like they didn't, you know, sometimes you, you think like, oh, it's Houston's youth, Houston's youth, Houston's youth. But in reality, like they had a good balance there where Cincinnati, it's like, now that I mean, who's left of the vets? It's Votto. It's Votto. It's Votto and like Homer Bailey on the staff, who's dealt with you know numerous injuries for the last three years, and so <laughs> it's a little bit of a different situation where you're just having a bunch of young guys figure things out. And I guess you know I was a little um, ignorant to that fact, thinking like that they might have already bottomed out because it's just young guys trying to figure it out. They're talented, you know. You're gonna have to give them some time, and at some point the Reds will have to identify when that moment is to start injecting into the team. I know a lot of people get real frustrated about money not being spent now, but what's money spent on this team going to do? Nothing. You're just wasting your time. You don't need a, you know, you don't need to, you know, buy like the Phillies, like get an Arietta. What would that have done for the Reds? You know, instead you're, you're just paying a guy 30 million a year to, to who's already in his thirties. Yeah. Yeah. So there, you know, like that will be the key for Cincinnati. I think is, once they start getting these guys, like Nick Senzel will be called up, I'm sure, here shortly. You know, once those guys start getting established and you're seeing something happen, when is the moment to, to buy, you know, your fourth and, you know, your third, your mid-rotation starters to kind of, you know, fill the gaps? When is it to go get that eighth inning guy to help, you know, Iglesias at the back end? It's not now, but it's going to be a moment. And if they miss it, then they're going to go right through the cycle. If they nail it, you might be back in the playoff race again. And they, they, and I 100% agree with what you said there. And they also have to start cl- like cleaning house um, throughout um, the minor leagues in terms of you know some of the the pitching coordinators and hitting coordinators and and you know I'm sure mm-hmm. they're great guys or whatever, mm-hmm. but they're they're you know teaching things that are 20 years old. That's what the Twins did. I mean, they had their big, they you know, so Terry Ryan who was successful. I mean, had a hell of a career with the. You know, Gardenhire and Terry Ryan with the Twins, they took them to, what, like seven divisions in the 2000s? A lot of people forget that because the Yankees just were their, you know, their kryptonite, and they could never get past them to make a World Series. But they were tremendous in the, you know, from the 2000 to 2010. You know, when it was the Mauer Morno, you know, when the year they had Jim Tomei, and, like, they were Johan Santana, um, Liriano when he, before he messed up his elbow. I mean, they were awesome, but they were backwards. So Terry Ryan, they kind of were like, all right, it's time. You know, like, so the new guys that came in, one was from the Indians and one from the Rangers, and they've completely, they gutted everything. They gutted everything. And it was, it was a lot of hard decisions because guys that have worked in your organization for 20 years, it's kind of hard telling them, like, listen, hey, we're going a different direction. Because he has, I'm sure, worked his, you know, ass off to get there. But you're seeing that with baseball right now. There's a huge, I mean, the shifting is the most blatant, obvious thing that's different. We've never seen anything like that until the last few years. Um, and it's only going even more. I've, I've heard some interesting things about the Astros, how they're like cutting edge on some of this stuff with their pitching. And um, I heard something with, I don't know, could be blatantly just hear, you know, people just talking, but I heard something with like Verlander. Uh, Verlander, they identified him as someone that had something going on with something with his, you know, his grip of some of his off speed. And they were like, we need this guy now because I know, you know, someone knew, identified an easy fix 
you know, of a hand, a grip, you know, somewhere where he's finishing through the baseball. Really, it looks like he did the last. <laughs> he looks like he did, you know, four or five years ago again, and won him a World Series. So the decision was already, you know, they already have benefited from it just based off of that. But it's interesting how that whole thing can apply. Oh, and 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 back, piggyback on that, you know, it's funny how look at the two teams who made the World Series last year, the Astros and the Dodgers, the two teams who were at the forefront of all the analytics yep. and all the you know new technology. Um, well, you know, I appreciate, I really appreciate you know you coming on today. We're doing this uh, this podcast, and you know, I know you're starting your your real world job in <laughs> August, so. If you want to do, you could. There's still time. You still could go play. You know, like I could get you a spot in the Pecos League if you want to do. If you want to do, I would say, don't go to the. I would say there's like there's a couple teams I would go to, High Desert Yardbirds, which is where I was, uh, Bakersfield, possibly <laughs> Tucson. You have put up some great numbers there because that's a that's a pitcher's park. Oh, there we don't go. Don't go to anyone in the other division uh, just because the ball fight. Your your ERA would just I, skyrocket. I remember that from. Uh, I remember that from West Texas. It, it flies. It flies. It flies. <laughs> so I would go. To, I would go to those three places if I were you: uh, High Desert, Bakersfield, or Tucson, or anyone else who's really out there listening. Because that other division, uh, it's just it's those numbers just don't really really translate. Um, so so if you want to, uh, let me know, and then you come right back and come back in the real world. So I appreciate you coming on today, man. And uh, you know, it's crazy. It's been three years since uh, since we played together. Right. I guess we're getting old. Yeah, we are. And. Uh, <laughs> and I, again, man, I appreciate it. Absolutely, Peach.